Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We come to this place for terror. We come to Sinful Cuts to scream, to laugh, to cry. Because we need that, all of us, that overwhelming dread we feel when the lights begin to dim and we go somewhere we've never been before. Not just terrified, but somehow possessed. Together. Horrifying images spoken directly into your ear. Kills that you can feel. Somehow, slaughter feels good in a place like this. Our slashers feel like the worst part of us. And stories feel insane and unstoppable. Because here, they are. Sinful cuts. We make horror horrible. Hey, sinners, I'm Shannon. And I'm Sean. And this is Sinful Cuts. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, are we talking about foot trauma today. <laughs> Just a tad. Oh my gosh. I, of course, we're talking about 1990s. Rob Reiner directed Stephen King based off his novel, Misery. Yay! I must have watched the hobbling scene five times. Oh my god, I, I've watched it none times. I, <laughs> I've played <laughs> I, you know, the scene plays out and I will always cover my eyes. Weird. I, like, I, I can barely even watch like the second, uh, uh, the second ankle, even though that one's off camera. This is hundred percent true. <laughs> I watched this movie yesterday with my lovely bride, Jennifer, <laughs> and it got to the hobbling scene and I laughed and Did she, she looked up? at me and said, how can you laugh? I couldn't even watch dot 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 what's wrong with you <laughs> and i don't have an answer to that <laughs> did, she book a, did she book a therapy session oh, immediately I, she slept in the basement <laughs> like, you're, you're a psychotic person no no 
Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, no, I just, I love, I love that scene for so many reasons, which we'll get into because I thoroughly researched how they did it. Because you know me in practical effects. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it. it's McKink. Sorry, I'm weird. <laughs> but okay, let, let's, uh, let's talk about Stephen King's misery because this is, as far as winter horror goes... Oh, yeah. It's at the top. It's absolutely at the top. You know? And as far as um, horror movies goes, it's at the top. <laughs> and I keep, I keep raising my hand. And as far as Stephen King um, novel to movie adaptations, it's at the top. <laughs> I mean, it's... Okay. I, you know I have to do this to you. You, you know I'm not content unless I put you on the spot. <laughs> Every single podcast. All right. This, we have not planned this. We have not spoken about it, but let's just do it off the cuff. Top three Stephen King novel to movie adaptations. Ooh, okay. And you can't include Misery. No, I was going to say, actually, this is one, it's it's right on my to-read list, and I, and I haven't read it yet. Okay. I really, really did enjoy... Okay, so I have to stick to the movie adaptations, right? Yep, it's got to so be a movie. I, I really, really enjoyed Christine. Yep, me too. Really enjoyed The Shining. Um, the movie's a whole other story. We'll have to revisit that. Um, if you saw our post, we lost that entire episode. I know, I know. But I think we'll, it happens to every podcast at least once. At least once. But I say maybe next winter we'll go back and revisit it. Um, we like, had a lot to say, so I think we, we need we, to. We, yeah, we did have a lot to say. But either way, the book is fucking fantastic. Um, so, but I think they're both so short stories. So we're counting story. Christine so it bo- and The Shining. So, yeah, Christine and The Shining. So they're both short stories, though. So that equals one maybe i don't know so there's a mixture yeah why not there's a mixture of the body which certain to stand by me okay and i love shawshank redemption you took my number one <gasps> shawshank would be my number one okay christine is going to be my number two isn't that weird because a lot, i think a lot of people would be like really guys it just clicks it, with us but it was no if you haven't read them read them yeah like, and you'll know why yeah it's, i don't know what else to say oh about my that gosh what i my third could possibly be stand by me but i don't know oh my oh boy um okay i think i, I think i'm gonna have to go i think i'm gonna have to go with stand by me okay that it's, was a that was a movie that was on repeat when I was a child. It's just such a vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just such an, a cozy, just incredible vibe. And it the, it hits so many emotional beats. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with that one. Yes, and, it, and it's fitting to mention that too for for this movie, uh, Misery, that we're doing for a couple of reasons. One, obviously Rob Reiner directed that as well, um, which is, I think, the reason why that... Um, Stephen King agreed to finally sell the rights to Misery. Yeah. Uh, because uh, you know he he did like he did enjoy the way Rob Reiner uh, directed that movie, uh, rightfully so because it's it's a gorgeous movie, um, and uh, and he so he agreed to to direct and produce it. Guess what? Mm. Stephen King in my research, Stephen King it was he was the only choice. He said. Rob Reiner either needs to direct or produce. If he's not involved in either one, I'm not selling it. Yeah, yeah. So that was it. Exactly. Now, no dollar baby for that one. Yeah. Let's get into pre-production. We already we yeah. already mentioned. Oh well, let, let's, let's let's give the hard yards. Can I just mention who's involved? Do you want me to read the plot really fast for just for those who yes, haven't please. seen it? Okay. Yes, please. Ma'am. So okay. So without further ado, this is misery. almost died. You have a compound fracture of the tibia in both legs and the 
fibula in the right leg is fractured too. And as soon as the roads open, I'll take you to a hospital. In the meantime, you've got a lot of recovering to do. There is nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. My name is Annie Wilkes. I think one of my clients, Paul Sheldon, might be in some kind of trouble. You mean Paul Sheldon, the writer? Well, everybody sure likes those misery books. They had it at the store, Paul. They said he checked out last Tuesday. Isn't that a little strange? I guess it was kind of a miracle you finding me. In a way, I was following you. You were following me? Oh, Paul, I've read everything of yours, but the misery novels. You must be a good man. You could never have created such a wondrous, loving creature as Misery Chastain. Very kind. The presumption must now be that Paul Sheldon is dead. You dirty bird. How could you? Misery Chastain cannot be dead. Misery spirit is still alive. I don't want her spirit! I want her! And you murdered her! You don't think he's dead, do you? And don't even think about anybody coming for you, because I never called them. Nobody knows you're here. And you better hope nothing happens to me. Because if I die, you die. I know you've been out. Is this what you're looking for? Eventually, you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Annie, whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. Annie, for God's Shh, darling. Trust me. God's sake. It's for the best. God, I love you. So synopsis is, after a famous author is rescued from a car crash by a fan of his novels, he comes to realize that the care he is receiving is only the beginning of a nightmare of captivity and abuse. Oh, I mean, well, all right, we'll get to it. This, <laughs> this, okay. I know that you could say this about the premise of most novels. They just start with this simple idea. But don't you feel like horror novels specifically... It's like the simplest idea and then the tapestry that they create based off of that. Right. Because it's just like, okay, you know, a successful novelist in his own right meets someone who is, you know, a little more than obsessive. Just a tad. It's so simple. Yeah. <laughs> and then you look at what we get from it. Mm -hmm. You know, a lovely, beloved household pet happens to get bit by a rabid bat. Mm. <laughs> it's just, I just, I can't even with this guy. <laughs> I can't even with Stephen King. I do, oh, kisses all over your face. Okay, so let's give credit where credit is due. So we have Misery comes out in 1990 on a budget of $20 million. It makes domestically 60.3, so it's tripled its budget. Mm -hmm. It's a certified hit. Yeah. The um, We'll get into post-production, but spoiler alert, I think you already know this, Sinners. It, it, it was well-received. Very well-received. So we have Rob Reiner is the director, you know, like I, like we had mentioned previously, if he's not producing or directing, this movie's not happening, yeah. uh, according to Stephen but King. Luckily, he uh, decided to do both. We have the, the just rock and roller of Ayatollah, <laughs> master screenwriter, William, William Goldman. Goldman. <laughs> 
All right, sinners. L- l- let me just give you some of some of William Goldman's bona fides, and then I'm going to tell you a little personal story I have with William Goldman. Ooh. Yes, yes, yes. So, the Paul Newman movie Harper. If you haven't seen Paul Newman in Harper, please check it out. It is just it's a '60s riff on um, on the Private Eye movie. Paul Newman's having so much damn fun in this. And I think a lot of the reason why Paul Newman's having so much fun and it really comes off the screen is because he's working with the William and Goldman screenplay. It's it's just crackerjack. Then you have this movie called The Hot Rock, which is a heist movie starring Robert Redford. It's so much fun. If you haven't seen The Hot Rock, you and it, it, it's one of those movies also that takes place and is shot in and takes place in New York in the 70s. And New York in the 70s is its own character. Oh, it is just, you know, oh my God, it's so great. And then, of course, we got to go to Butch Casting the Sundance Kid. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time, I mean, that is a Desert Island movie for me. Oh, yeah. Um, then you've got The Princess Pride. Yes. You know, gonna, based gonna, off of his novel. I was going to bring that up, yeah. Then you have Magic with Anthony Hopkins, which is kind of like a kooky, I don't know if I'd necessarily, yeah, I guess I'll call it horror, but Magic is about a ventrilo- ventriloquist doll, and honestly, you're not sure who the dummy and who who is in control in this movie. That's fun. And it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, go see it. It, it. That's good stuff. Then you have Marathon Man, which is just possibly also a Desert Island movie for me. Dustin Hoffman, Lawrence Olivier, the Vasa Angel. I mean, <laughs> Olivier is playing the most nefarious Nazi uh, concentration camp doctor and the where this movie go oh and then you got Roy Scheider in this movie as well you know oh boy Marathon Man is just uh, it's an all time gem for me and then he wrote uh, uh, they did the screenplay for All the President's Men so William Goldman just has this hot hand forever as far as his screenplays but what he what he, William Goldman's real claim to fame is is that he was what's called a script doctor mm-hmm. so studios would have a script and they're like you know what we're like like halfway there okay we need someone to punch it up and they would get william goldman to come in and sometimes he's credited a lot of the times he's not credited i mean my man william always got paid though so good on you yes (laughs) and he also happens to be a madly in love with william goldman r.i.p because he also happens to be one of those like new york presents like, you'd see him bouncing around the village, or you'd see him bouncing around uptown. He was just one of those guys who lived and worked in New York, and he was quintessentially New York. And and I think it, it's it's not as if it comes through in his work. He's got a very, you know, varied body of work, but he's just fucking cool. <laughs> he's just cool as fuck. And I just love William, William Goldman. He's like on my vision board for everything, you know? <laughs> Nobody knows anything. Nobody has the least idea what's going to work. And screenwriters are the basis, I think, of everything. Because if you have a shitty script, even if you had Bergman or Fellini or David Lean, it's not going to work as a movie. It's all fucking story. That's really all it is. If the story works, if the audience, if you're moved by whatever the goddamn story is, you have a chance to have a movie that so, so my 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 story of, about William Goldman is that um, a very very dear friend of mine, one of my best friends actually, um, uh, her sister was his personal assistant. Oh, cool! And uh, my friend, one of my best friends, Carol, the, the one I'm talking about, she said, "Hey, man, you love William Goldman. 
maybe too much. <laughs> Certainly not going to bring you around him because you're weird. But why don't you? Why don't you give me? Was it Andy Wilkes style? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This ties into it. I'm his number one fan. You would have hobbled him. <laughs> I had a copy. Of, I had a first edition of Marathon Man. Okay. And she said, "Give me your copy, and I'll get it signed by him." So I give the copy. Weeks go by, and I kind of forgot about it. And then I I met up with uh with Joe and Carol, and she hands me the book, and I open it, and there's a signature by William Goldman. And what does he write in it? Hey, Sean, be careful at the dentist. <laughs> William <laughs> Goldman. And I'm just like, man, I thought you were cool before. <laughs> So, yeah, William, I have a thing with William Goldman. That's hilarious. <laughs> I absolutely adore him. <laughs> so, of course, we'd mention this book is based off of, of um, Stephen King's novel, Misery. Shannon, I feel like you, I'm going to put this on you. Do, do you, when we get to it, do you want to talk about, like, how that ties into his addiction and what he was going through at the time? Or, like, that this is basically, like, a metaphor for his struggles with addiction yeah we, we we dipped into it a little bit but we can uh when we get to that point sure cool. absolutely then we have this is produced by rob reiner and andrew scheinman andrew scheinman who will who we'll talk about in pre-production in a moment is really the man responsible for for this happening yes he's the, uh, he was traveling in the airport right and came across it yep and he was like I, I, i'm sure and he went in like buying the book thinking so it's probably already purchased how many freaking movies do you think came to inception because of flights <laughs> <laughs> uh, or just uh you know just uh perusing in a bookstore right yeah just you like... know how quick fun fact um actually no maybe i'll save it actually S save it because your I'm eyes just lit up i'm save gonna it. save it because i have such a fun fact about a completely different movie and i actually think it has an anniversary coming up i hope up, so up. you know what I, yeah, i'm gonna zip it sorry save it. <laughs> the last two I wanted to mention is that we have Mark uh, Shaman did the music, but then the cinematographer is Barry Sonnenfeld. Barry Sonnenfeld, gang, who is the director of um, Men in Black. Yeah, uh, all of them, right? Uh, also, I don't know if you ever watched the, um, uh, all of them. Oh, uh, yeah. Did you ever watch the show Pushing Daisies with Lee Pace, um, uh, Kristen Chenoweth? Oh, oh I never, uh, I never, Anna Friel. I never gave it a go. Oh, it's just it's good. It's so damn adorable, and it's the Barry Sonnenfeld aesthetic. You know, it's very Barry Sonnenfeld. Let me just put it that way. You know, like like his his kooky kind of um, and I mean kooky in the best way possible. Sinners is not derogatory. His kooky kind of um vibe with the Men in Black is very present in Pushing Daisies. Of course, it was good, so it got canceled. You know, but uh, it's how that how that works. Yeah, <laughs> it's out there for you. But I just wanted to mention. Um, so Barry Sonnenfeld, if you're not familiar with him, he was the cinematographer on Ready for These Movies, Three O'clock High. Think about the camera work in Three O'clock High, Blood Simple, the Coen Brothers' Blood Simple. Think about the camera work in Blood Simple, a movie that not a lot of people have seen but is very fun. Throw Mama from the Train. It's Danny DeVito and it's Billy Crystal. It's kind of a late '80s gem. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's, so it's fun. okay, so I, I've never seen or heard of that, but. I'm not surprised that it stars Danny DeVito and Billy Crystal. That right? sounds like a movie that those two would star in. If a mom is getting thrown off a train, there's a good chance that Billy Crystal and Danny DeVito are involved somehow. I am like, I could, already, I'm already playing the movie in my head and I know nothing about it. 
All right, I'm just going to sell it just a touch more. The mother is played by Anne Ramsey, who is Mama Fratelli from The Goonies. So you have to see this movie. All I need to know. You got to see it. All I need to know. That sounds amazing to me. It's real fun. It's real fun. <laughs> and then I just wanted to mention he um, was the cinematographer on When Harry Met Sally, which, I mean, as far as cinematography goes, I don't know if it's like off the charts impressive for the sinners, but this next one is, and that is a movie called Miller's Crossing. The camera work in that movie is hands down incredible. Okay. Just flat out incredible. And when Harry Met Sally, that was directed by Rob Reiner too. Sure was. Yeah. So then, of course, then, you know, Barry Sonnenfeld goes on to direct, um, but he is just a master cinematographer. Um, so that's, I just wanted to mention who is involved. It's distributed by Columbia Pictures. It is starring James Caan, Kathy Bates, Richard Farnsworth, Francis Sternhagen, and Lauren Bacall are basically our main players. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, shoot, this movie is almost shot like and a play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, which worked out pretty well for for Kathy Bates. So uh, going back to to William Goldman. So Rob Reiner obviously really trusted William Goldman first of all because he he helped him out with the, the Princess Bride as you mentioned before. He and so William Goldman suggested for the Princess Bride Andre the Giant as Fezzik. Get out. So yeah. So that was his idea. Shut your freaking mouth, Shannon. How long you been sitting on that one? <laughs> <laughs> since we since we since you press record. <laughs> but um but so so I I think needless to say Reiner and Goldman were already pretty good friends. Oh I love it. Oh I Just... love those stories. <laughs> so delicious. it was Goldman who suggested Kathy Bates. And now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this at you. And why do you think he suggested Kathy Bates? Uh, Lady in the back. Lady in the back with the red hair. <laughs> Raising white hands in it. So, uh, well, at least from what I found out anyway, maybe you have a different answer. But, um, Reiner, uh, so uh, so obviously the story is, um, if, if you know the story, so uh, based on uh, a bestseller novel who gets um, uh, basically kidnapped, so to speak, if yeah. you will, um, by his number one fan, who, where if you were to put the two of them on the streets... On another, on any given day, you obviously would recognize the the best selling author, and not so much the um, you know the the girl next, not the girl next door. The yeah, well, I guess yeah, whatever. Just a you know, just a girl on her own, regular um person. So he Rob Reiner really wanted a a well known face to play Paul Sheldon. Um, so they. Uh, I think they had a few other options that they were going to go with. But... I'm going to go through it. Now yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. We're going to do Smasher Trash. Yeah. I heard uh, it's almost like the same of uh, The Shining. Yeah. With, yeah, it was very similar. But, but anywho. And The um, Thing. And The Thing, yes. <laughs> it turns out there was only 12 male actors during the 80s and 90s. During this time. But, uh, but yeah, so he said he wanted, you know, a very famous face for Paul Sheldon. And he's like, and I want kind of like a, a very not well-known person at all. For uh, for Annie Wilkes, and uh, I don't know exactly know how Goldman um, knew or knew of Kathy Bates. New York, but theater she scene. was yeah. I was gonna say she was yeah. only a stage actress, so I'm just assuming he saw her and yeah. And William just, Goldman's our New York guy. Being involved, yeah. You know, he's deep into the theater. Those are his people. Mm-hmm. You know, he's palling around. He's he's a, a, a you know avid theater goer, and he knew her work. Yeah, and he's like, she's gonna knock this out of the park. Yeah. She knocks it so far out of the park, she lands up with a Golden Globe and an Oscar. Yeah. God bless. Yeah. You know? I mean, that fantastic. Is that the only movie of 
Stephen King's adaptation to win, like, anything, yeah. yep. right? Like, yep. anything. So far. You, well, yeah. Yep, so far. Um, when I did my research, and of course, because I'm bad at my job, I didn't write down what the movies were, <laughs> but there's only about six movies that have won Oscars that are directly related to horror. We've got, um, I, the, the ones I do know, you've got Jodie Foster, you've got Anthony Hopkins from Silence of the Lambs. Silence mm-hmm. of the Lambs is horror. Yeah. You've got Ruth Gordon from, um, she won Best Supporting uh, for Rosemary's Baby. Okay. That's all. I know there's a couple more, but that's that's it for me. Okay. I can't remember anymore. Um, yeah, but that's our New York our New York connection, and Rob Reiner is smart enough to listen to William Goldman when he says, this person is all you need for this part. That is, that's a great working relationship. Yes, you know? I agree. And Reiner, I don't, I mean, he didn't really go too far into it, but I did see an interview with him where he, especially, um, you know, fast forwarding to the, the success that this movie ended up having, it was such a, a great feeling for Reiner. Cause he was like, yeah, he's just like, it, it was, it was a, a great success for me, which was also awesome because apparently I'm assuming, I think he got a lot of flack for wanting to direct this movie because he didn't, I mean, at the, at the time he was known for, okay, so this came out in 1990. So, uh, obviously we already mentioned the princess bride, which was 87, but he also did, um, Stand By Me, which was 86, and This Is Spinal Tap, which is 84. He did, um, I forgot the year, but again, we mentioned it already, When Harry Met Sally. So if, if you're just, you know, picking up, you know, like it's, it was more like drama, he did he did romance. And he was known for comedy. And known for comedy, yeah. And especially so, coming from All in the Family, he was he was pigeonholed into that, that genre. Yeah, so this was definitely a, a, it's very something very different idea of every artist what every artist goes through whether they're writers or painters or musicians or actors or or directors they they can get typed they can get pigeonholed you can get uh into a certain rut where if you become especially if you become successful you're frightened to uh break out of that rut when i first started becoming a director and when i wanted to be a director uh i was just known as a a tv actor and and a sitcom and it was very very hard for me to get people to accept me as a film director. Action. Oh, gracious. I've never made anybody scream in my life. I've never gotten an audience to scream. Uh, they may scream because they hate the film. Hey, this things. But they never scream like, ha, ah, I'm scared. And to watch the people like jumping out of the seats was a... I can see why people like to make movies like this. It's fun. It's fun to watch them jump like that. Almost as fun as making them laugh. Although, but the thing was that he knew drama, and this movie does have a little comedic moments in it as well. Oh, I think there's a lot of. I think yeah. I, I think this movie is so successful because of his comedy background. He brings a lot of that in. I mean, mm-hmm. the relationship between Francis Sternhagen and Richard Farnsworth as husband and wife. I could watch a movie of just those two arguing over coffee. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> those scenes sing, and they work. And they don't bring you out of the movie because then you go back to the farm and the horror that's happening there. But that's a masterful hand that can that yeah. can jump between those light moments and the heavy moments, but it, it neither one takes you out. Exactly. And, and it's still related to what's going on. Like Buster is the sheriff investigating the disappearance of oh, Paul my Sheldon. Buster. My Buster. I mean that um uh, oh uh, sorry, sinners were spoiled the hell out of these movies yeah. and guess what we're also going to spoil a book mm. um when buster gets killed in the 
book is it's just so tragic it's just so tragic in both forms but you brought up something that i i, I want to expand on i did you did you did <laughs> what did i yes, say yes you did you, you little genius you <laughs> you said that um you said that uh that paul sheldon uh oh sorry I'm, I'm sorry that rob reiner is you know he's known for comedy and he got a little flack for directing a horror movie, mm-hmm. a hands-down horror movie. Not only a horror movie, but a, but a, a intellectual property that's coming from the master Stephen of horror. Stephen King's adaptation, you know? yeah. It, so it's not even like he's he's getting his feet wet. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. He's going <laughs> straight to the front of the class, and all eyes are on him. And what resonated with Rob Reiner from the research that I did was his... his um solidarity with Paul Sheldon because Paul Sheldon is a romance novelist and he's not taken seriously and he writes this this novel and he's trying to break out of his um box that he's been put into so it really really you know that's what struck Reiner was he's like oh my gosh I'm actually going to be trying to do the same thing that Paul Sheldon's doing in the novel and let's see what happens it's a very full circle type of uh, situation I really wish um I, I wish Rob Reiner directed more, you know I know that that he's um no he's not and I think it's a damn shame he is one of our greats just absolutely one of our greats I agree and he just seems like such a like a an all around like fun and loving guy too you know and knows what he's doing I'd like to have a beer with him oh me too me too and know, knows what he's doing knows how to do it well yes so okay. I'm going to do a little smash or trash for you because we have to get into casting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of familiar faces. Maybe one maybe one or two that will surprise you. But let's go through it. So we'll start off, of course, we almost start off every every movie during the 80s and 90s with Harrison Ford was considered. Yeah. Then I we, think he could have pulled it off. I think so, too. Yeah. I think uh, so, too. Yeah. Are we doing smash or trash or are you just going to name them off? No, I'm going to do smash or trash. You let me know. If okay. you like or okay. no, so no like Harrison Ford, smash. Jack Nicholson. Very close to taking this role. I'm sure he was, um, but for for the role that it's supposed to be, I'm gonna go with trash. Okay, you're trashing. Yeah, for the for the role that itself, not because I, I nothing against Jack Nicholson, just who not the right role for him. Who they really wanted, William Hurt. Oh, that's right. They did really want William Hurt. And it's it's funny because. After you see the movie, of course, then you can't picture anybody in it but but uh, Jimmy Kahn. But William Hurt, cerebral, softer. I mean, James Kahn comes off as James Kahn from Sunnyside, Queens. I happen to know we grew up in Sunnyside, Queens because mm. my dad grew up in Woodside, Queens. And they used to hear about this crazy Jewish kid that would punch everybody from Susa, <laughs> from Sunnyside, Queens. And it turned out to be James Kahn. <laughs> True story. <laughs> so, um, William Hurt... I'm curious. What are you giving it? I think he could have pulled it off. I'll go with Me the too. I'm smashing. Yeah, I would go with the smash. This guy has popped up in every single uh, alternate casting that we've had so far. Kevin Klein. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What, smashing. Yeah. I'd yeah. Smash. Me too. Michael Douglas. Oh, I think he could have pulled it off. Same. Actually, there's a lot of smashes here. Yeah. All of these, all these gentlemen. Okay, Dustin Hoffman. Hmm. That's an interesting one, because I, I don't recall Dustin Hoffman. This would have been during his, like, picture him in his Rain Man. P- 
period. So, yeah, yeah, it was like a right, a right, right around that time. Yeah, right around then. Yeah, I, I have a feeling he could have. I think so too. Um, I, I would like to see it. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. Robert De Niro. No. Okay, that's. I tra- did, and I knew of it, and I was that was immediate. No. Al Pacino. No. Okay, trashing. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus. Oh, I did. I did hear about him. Um, who was very who they really wanted. Yes, they did really want him. Um, this would be Dreyfus during. He's on a hot. He's on yeah. a hot hand now. He's done Stakeout. Right. And um, he's done. Um, he's done Spielberg's almost. I think. But anyway, we're in like a little bit of a Dreyfus renaissance. We've yeah. got Mr. Holland's Opus. We've got um uh the really great great uh. Barry Levinson movie, Tin Man. So he's he's in a real Dreyfus Prime. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not like a full. It's definitely not like a flat out no. I think he would have brought some. Like I, th- I feel like his character would have been a little more like comedic. Like where like in the beginning when he's talking to his his editor, where he's like, you know, like yeah, I wrote a book, but I never meant for misery to be my life. You yeah, know, like the you know like that whole thing. I feel like he would have like just he would have punched in like a, a funny joke right there instead of kind of uh not being a crybaby like he's obviously you know like by this point paul sheldon you could see he he just looks defeated yeah in a way and you know but relieved that he wrote a book uh killing off misery to be free of her um and i I don't know i feel like he just would have been a little more comedic about it so you smash i'm gonna smash but i think it would be a different type i would be a whole different oh i think a lot of these would be different takes on it i'd be interested to see what richard dreyfus could do he passed on it regretted it dearly Mm. you know he just he just said yeah that was that was one that just got away from me gene hackman uh different not yeah different i'll i'll maybe go with um uh trash robert redford no warren Beatty. oh I got a funny story about this. I didn't hear about Warren Beatty. Oh, boy. William Goldman tells the funniest damn story, or told the funniest damn story. He goes, all of these actors that I had mentioned were a definitive no. They, you know, the the, the offer was made, and they said, I'm going to pass on it. Okay. He goes, the only one that kept us hanging, and to this day still has not, even though the the movie (laughs) came out 25 years ago, is Warren Beatty has still (laughs) not said no. Never gave an answer. Never gave an answer. That's amazing. Yeah. So so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> and, and sinners, if you actually, if you do a little research on Warren Beatty as far as like roles that he's done and roles he's passed on, this is quintessential Warren Beatty. He just keeps everyone waiting forever. That's amazing. Then we had Morgan Freeman. Oh, that could have worked. Right? That totally could have worked. Mel Gibson. That could have worked too at that time. At the time frame. Yep. Yeah, that could have worked. Denzel Washington would have been young now. Would have been young. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. He, he definitely, he could have pulled it off. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Last one is interesting. This is the last one I have for you. And I, I may have one more. Okay. After you. Okay, my last one is Bruce Willis. Oh, damn it. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Okay. Bruce... Because he ends up doing it. On Broadway. <laughs> I would have loved to have I, seen that with Laurie Metcalf. I absolutely would have loved to have seen yeah, that. Yeah, that would have been. Because this movie really is a play. We've got two characters. We ba- we have one setting. I mean, I know that we go off campus with um, with Buster and the investigation, and we have a couple of you know beginning scenes and 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 uh, epilogue and prologue. But for the most part, we're in the bedroom. Yeah, I mean, it's very much. Not only is it it's staged like a play, it's acted almost like a play. Mm-hmm. It is shot very much like a play. You know, I want to. I definitely when we get to the shoot part, which we'll get to in a minute, I definitely want to talk about Sonnenfeld's style. But let me save that for a hot second. Let's finish casting. So then we have a very short list of smashing trash for actresses because they were they were fortunate enough through William Goldman to, to land on Kathy Bates. But smash your trash leads for me if you will. Jessica Lang. Oh, they really did want her. I remember. Uh, yeah. Um. So she she wouldn't have been able to pull off the comedic side of Annie. So like, so Annie Wilkes was a very specific character to me where Kathy Bates was able to pull it off where she's a very traumatized individual that she masks with her like fun and kooky side, which is why you don't see it right away. Yeah, she's not Nurse Ratched from One Flew Overs where you're immediately like, I hate this person. Yes, yeah. She she would have been the mean traumatized version, I think, the whole time. Okay. Not maybe not maybe not mean mean, but I, she would have been cold from beginning to end. Where the the point of Annie was there was a flip, and you didn't know what you were when she walked into the room. You weren't you weren't sure what side of her you were getting, and that was the exciting part of her character. This will make everyone uncomfortable, but I'm so madly in love with Jessica Lange. If she was like, I mean, I'm your number one fan, and you have kidnapped you, I'd be like, yeah, okay, <laughs> sounds good. This is fine. Okay. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Whole house on fire, you're in bed. This is fine. How many books you want me to write? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, this next one. Look, I, I, I don't believe it, but I have seen it in... I try and vet my sources through multiple outlets. Barbara Streisand. No. Right? No. I mean, it's insane. No. <laughs> it's insane. And she was very well known. Like... <laughs> This one is serious, though. You got to think it's, it's you know, they're, they're putting this together in, let's say, 87, 88. You know, this Roseanne Barr. Oh, at the time? I mean. She might have been able to pull it off. She actually. might have been able to pull it off. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Also, Rosie O'Donnell. Okay. You have to think she's got a little bit, she, she's got some heat now because she's coming off of, um, she's coming off of, uh, of. Uh, did Stakeout come out already by this point? Stakeout did, but not Stakeout 2 not that you're yet. thinking of. But the one I'm, uh, the, oh my gosh, the baseball movie with, with Gina Davis and Tom Hanks. Oh, I'll well, her own. Yeah. So she's got, you know, she's got some, she, some pepper. She, yeah. I've never, I'm trying to think though. I don't know how menacing she could have been, but I feel like she could have, I feel like if. I, I, well, I if she, you're thinking Kathy Bates and you're thinking Rosie O'Donnell, yeah, you're like, okay. 
Yeah. I think I could see it. I could see it. All right. This one, <clears throat> let this simmer for just a hot sec before you smash or trash it. Mary Tyler Moore, she was desperate to, to, to have this role. She read oh. the, the script and she's like, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Now, think of Mary Tyler Moore as as a, a killing nurse. Like, I feel like she could have, you could believe her. You know, if, you, if, if you've seen Ordinary People, Mary Tyler Moore, as warm and fantastic as she is from the Mary Tyler Moore show, mm-hmm. which we know and love her for, mm-hmm. but think of her in Ordinary People as the cold, very cold and distant, unloving mother. I feel like she could have really done something with this role, pl- playing that coldness okay. and that like, you know, when Annie goes from I'm your number one fan to you're a cock a dirty bird and 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 you're like, oh no, oh, oh, I think we might be in a little trouble. Like, I feel like Mary Tyler Moore could have really brought out the, um, oh shit, we're, we're, we're in a lot of trouble. Right. You know? So it's interesting. That is interesting. But, I don't know, I might, I might Warren Beatty that answer and just not answer. Okay. okay. Well, uh, but either way, it was a hard pass. <laughs> Sorry, Mary. Mary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that takes care of our casting. We'll go into the shoot. So the, the movie is mainly shot in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, gorgeous Vista, Colorado, from what we get of it. Um, funny, we just were, we just, even though the sinners don't know this, but we just left Colorado because of our <laughs> fucking debacle of a Shining episode. <laughs> Curses audio. But we're, we seem to be spending a lot of time in Colorado these days. <laughs> For such a uh, a place is thought of and is because I've been there a wonderful joyous beautiful place. There's a lot of great horror movies that are, <laughs> that are based there. So we've got um, uh, Reiner uh, does a couple of things to uh, to I don't want to say control James Conn because it makes him sound like he's out of control. He's not. We'll get to a couple of stories of of, of, of Jimmy being Jimmy. Mm. But um, he makes James Conn stay in bed. Yeah, 15 weeks. Yeah, for 15 weeks. Yeah. James Conn... Oh, but that's had, the role. He had a... Yeah. I mean... Conn had a great sense of humor about it, though. He says, you know, y- you picked the most, like, my words, not his, spastic and ADD-riddled <laughs> actor out there. Like, when you think of James Conn... He used, he used energetic. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, you know what, much, Mr. Khan, R.I.P., much better word than mine. But when you think of James Khan, you think of someone who's bounding over something mm-hmm. or crashing through a door or, like, he's just, everything is expressive with, with James Khan. Look at him in The Godfather, for God's sakes. I mean, he's ta- everything is talking with his hands and this, that, and the other. I mean, it's such well, a physical... Well, that's just how Italians talk. True. <laughs> true i mean he's the most italian jew you've ever met in your life yes <laughs> but they all right i i have to i have to digress for for, for a second because i love james Conn so much and i love robert duvall and they're the you know they're f- fast friends and duvall tells great uh james Conn stories and they they would call him all-star because james Conn was such a natural athlete that no matter what it was he could pick it up in a heartbeat wow so you know they'd be screwing around and like James Conn's making, I don't know, some a movie like Comes a Horseman, so it's a western. And James Conn hasn't ridden a horse or roped a day in his life. And within forty eight hours, <laughs> he he's got... doing it. He's showing the stuntmen this is how to do it. And they would just call him All Star because the guy could pick up anything and become a natural at it. If it had any sort of in- athletic inclination, he was a shoe in. 
So I just thought that was funny. that, And it used to piss Robert Duvall off to no end. Because he's like, you know, I had to fucking do this thing for seven months. And this asshole picks <laughs> up a rope. Two days. And he's, and he's like, and not only was he doing it, but he's impressing all the women on set, you know? <laughs> and he, he wasn't a bad looker either, James Conn. Oh, so. you want to really get into, you You want to, yeah, no, James Conn, kissable, kissable face. But mm-hmm. just Google James Conn. Playboy playmates, <laughs> and you, you'll have a you'll yeah. have a thoroughly good time. I'm sure James Con did. You know? I'm sure he did. Yeah, but. he was he was a Playboy Mansion uh, uh, all star, I suppose. But I definitely think this this one helped put him. Uh, even more so on the map that he was already on because, okay, so now, yeah, so granted, yeah, he's stuck in bed for 15 weeks, which again was part of the role. Um, After being in a car accident, obviously he, um, you know, really messed up his legs Um, the first time. Yeah. (laughs) I know. We'll get to it. But anyway, so, um, you know, he's being tended to. So basically his whole, like, acting had to come from his facial expressions. He's so good. Which it, you he pulled it off. He's very so, much so. I don't of all the actors that we had mentioned on our Smasher Trash, and they are all just top peak performers, masters of the craft. I don't know that any one of them can sell pain better than Jimmy Kahn. His his expressions of even the slightest movement of his shoulder and his arm yep. when Annie's not even in the room but he's just reaching for something yeah he like sells he, he looked injured how to me. broken his body is and I think a lot of this is because James Con being James Con broke his body on countless film sets doing tons of stupid shit in his personal life yeah. and on film sets. Probably has some few creaks in the, uh... The, the, the litany the of broken bones, bones that James Conn had... <clears throat> Alright, since we're Googling James Conn, <laughs> Google James Conn and broken bones. And I mean, he really... I mean, he he walked the walk and he talked the talk. And he really... I mean, it, 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 in his own admission, he was... He was excessively careless with his body. And... He broke himself multiple times, so I think it, he really played into that, and he could get that across. Because on rewatch yesterday, I saw it like just when he even the simplest thing is when he takes the blanket off when he first initially sees how badly he's injured, and just the look on his face. Yeah, and I mean, it just literally takes the wind out of him, and he know he's like, ah, I'm bro- I'm broken. Yeah, I'm just literally a rag doll. That's been smashed into a million pieces. And he's been, um, over his character-wise anyway, he's been, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, he was broken, like, already, like, his spirit was broken. Yes. Like, I mean, he had a little bit, you know, like, he's like, I'm breaking away from misery, writing this new book. Like, he, so he had a little bit of a, you know, of a, of a hope there to start something, um, anew, but... Well, wait, he, Shannon, you're talking about the Paul Sheldon character. Correct. But that correlates to James Conn at this moment as well, because, like I said, this is late 80s. James Conn had a hot streak all through the the late 60s, all through the 70s. But he he went cold in the 80s and mid-80s. I mean, he really did. This was a this was a lifeline for him. Okay. You know, he, um, and, and he, you know, the, the one, the one, James Conn, James Conn story that, that I have, which is actually kind of sweet, is he did show up hungover as hell, and they sh- they did a full day shoot, and then Rob Reiner, to not hurt his feelings, it was unusable, so not hurt his feelings, he said, Jimmy, you know, um, the lab, 
screwed it up and we lost the entire day. Okay, you know, and then he found out a couple of days later that it was because he was hungover. He actually went to the studio and he said, I'll, I'll pay for the day. And they, they didn't take him up on it, but you never hear that. No. You never hear that. No. You know, so James Conn, yeah. well played. Kisses all over your face. Kisses all over your face. The body of work you have. Come on. Jonathan E. from Rollerball Alone. Police! <laughs> oh. One, another great scene uh, that I want to talk about. So I actually, and, and Rob Reiner for some, uh, not for some reason, Jesus. For, uh, just, 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 <laughs> he just woke up just, crazy one day. Just, just words barreling <laughs> out of my mouth. Sometimes you just have to ignore them. <laughs> oh, I know nothing about that. <laughs> I'm a complete stranger to that. I speak everything perfectly all the time. And my name is Sean. <laughs> Remember when I said my name was Sherm? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But another great scene. Uh, so it's basically the the scene where Paul Sheldon escapes from his room for the first time. Oh, uh, pisses Annie off. Annie it's gets... almost hard to watch. Yeah. So that, And think of how, like, isn't it very, like, Hitchcockian? Yeah. Uh, induced, right? And so uh, uh, Rob Reiner said that this was that was the most difficult sequence to edit. Yeah, great call. Great call about yeah. the Hitchcock. And it was just like the whole thing with like you know, like him knocking over the penguin and then, oh, and then we need to And then hearing back. Annie coming down the coming down the, the dirt drive. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, there, there, there are two scenes. Uh, the first scene where he, he actually I'm sorry, I'm confusing my scenes. He gets back in his room there, but that scene where he um he's in the wheelchair and he can't get through the kitchen to get to the phone. Yes. And then Annie comes back and he's profusely sweating and she's like, "Why are you so what sweating? Are they, what are like, they doing? You know damn well why I'm saying." He's like, "I need my drugs," you know, which is very very prevalent in the novel about Paul then having to get off of of uh what is uh, Norval Nor Norval Norval yeah I think so Norval something Norval. like that yeah it was a painkiller she was giving him and he started uh, pilling them. Um, in hopes to drug her at some point, which we'll we'll get into that scene too. I I totally understand though. Reiner saying, "Look, we got to jettison this. We, you know, this is gonna we we've got a nice tight two hours right now. We can't do two hours and forty five minutes about Paul getting off the the um drugs, right? The opioid, you know. So I get why that was you know taken out of the movie, and I think that's a very smart decision. The in the novel that plays heavily into it. Um, and it makes it a better novel for it. So anyway, just to point out the some of the differences there, some of the decisions that they had to make or what they were going to cut, they're good. They're spot on. Yeah, I agree. And then, uh, so that'll segue into uh, the dinner sequence, right? Where, it, that, now, this is another, like, expression-induced acting on uh, James Kahn's part. So, the, you know, his idea was that he was going to uh, drug Annie with all of the pills that he's been pilling. He was able to uh, crack them open, put all the powder, you know, in a little, um, you know, I think he made like a little pocket yeah. from piece Slow of paper. Slow and methodical. I love it. Yeah. And he asked like, how about we have dinner tonight? Blah, blah, blah. Let's get a glass of wine. Um, and then he, uh, so she pours it. They're about to toast. And then he's like, oh, let's do this right. You got any candles? So it, opportunity for her to leave the table. He pours the mixture into her drink, stirs it around. Around, and then and then she spills the wine and the heartbreak oh the and his heartbreak. the look on his face it's just oh it's, it's so i mean james con really does he does such a phenomenal job in this it's it's kind of it's interesting you know i'm so happy for kathy bates she gets nominated for and she wins i you know 
James Conn deserved something. He deserved you know, something, something. Yeah, he absolutely. I mean, he'll have praise for the rest of... Uh, well, he gets our love. You know, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so something a little interesting between Kathy Bates and James Conn. So you got... James Conn is just, you know, almost like improvisational. Like, let's get to it, because he is, you know, he's he's jumping Jimmy. <laughs> you know, he just wants to get in there and knock it out. And Kathy Bates coming from the theater is very much into preparation and rehearsal. Yep. So their two styles are, are diametrically opposed. And it did cause a little friction. You know, they both... So the, the the story that I heard was that Kathy Bates had to come to terms with a little less rehearsal, and James Conn had to come to terms with a little more, more. rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And Rob Reiner was like, "We'll we'll meet that sweet spot in the middle." And he told Kathy Bates, "You're frustrated. I can understand that. You want more. Use that in your character." Yeah. You said the same damn thing to yeah. James Conn. Yeah, I was just gonna say because those those opposals worked so well because yeah. they're supposed to be opponents. Yeah. So I just wanted the sinners to know that. James Conn and Kathy Bates, even though they did clash on their styles initially, they became lifelong friends, good lifelong friends, and I just love that. I just brings, it brings a tear to your eye, right? Because uh, I just think they're two phenomenal people. So to find out that they they made a beautiful story together, they like really did. Yeah, they really, really did. Mm-hmm. So I just uh, when I find out stuff like that, because there's so many stories of the opposite in Hollywood. <laughs> I you know? know, I know. Oh they're like, we'll God. never work together again, and you're like, ugh. Um, I did want to mention a deleted scene, and then I I, I know you want to bring up a couple of points, but one scene that I found out about that I'm dying to see is that there's a scene of a deputy going to the farm and Annie Wilkes kills him with her ride on mower pulverizes him to death huh. and Kathy Bates wanted uh, Rob Reiner to keep it so badly because she's like it was so much fun to shoot <laughs> and I, I want people to see like yeah. you know Annie's just crazy and he's like yeah that's the point like we, we have to keep you within the um, spectrum of of sympathy for as long as we can. And eventually, of course, after she kills Buster, right out the window. Oh, yeah. Then we're like, she must pay. But, like, we have to have... We've got to keep you on the bubble of the audience being like, well, she is, you know, she's mentally ill. And, you know, she has those light moments and those endearing moments when she's spinning around and she's so, like, happy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and she sells it so well. And he's like, we can't tip that. We can't tip the cup over too soon, and that'll tip it over. Right. I'm like, also, Rob, maybe us finding out that she's killing babies tips it over immediately. <laughs> you know, it's a tad. But it that does come toward the latter end of the movie. So it does. They, yeah, they, I had to remind my husband about that. About um, the babies. The, yeah. The well, he was saying like like cause, uh, like. Basically, we had a conversation where, like, uh, you know, like, even though she's claiming to be, like, his number one fan and everything like that, he's like, it's still all, like, especially in the beginning of the movie, it's still all coincidence. And she didn't, obviously, bring on that big storm. She did not tell uh, Paul Sheldon to drive the way he was driving. If you know, if you see the very beginning of this movie, I'm like, he's driving like a fucking maniac. He got shotgun playing. He's the, feeling he's got it. Plans. Yeah. He's, he's definitely doing, like, 80 miles an hour. Maybe not 80, but fast enough. On the roads, on the side of a mountain. Also, of a snowy mountain, guess, mind you. Guess what car's not so great in the snow? A 68, a 68 Mustang. Mustang. <laughs> Are you kidding? So, uh, you know, so I, I understood his point. Like, you know, like she really did like come to his rescue and she just happened to be there. Like, she Oh, didn't... you don't feel like she was following him? 
Because well, she said she used to watch him write. Well, that's what I... No, that, that's what I started telling my husband. Oh, you're telling Matt? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, well, she, you know, like, I mean, granted, she probably had that farm for a long time, but she absolutely knew he... Oh, he she knew she knew his whole ritual. He would go to the same spot, which, you know, wasn't far from where she lived. Mm. Uh, you know, and she knew everything else um, about, uh, you know, like, the one cigarette, the champagne, when he would finish a book. She knew everything about him. But um, but then I go, I'm like, but he's not her first victim. Nope. And he looks at me, he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like... Oh, so Maddie forgot all about the scrapbook. Yeah, this, there's a scrapbook of all of the... You know, the, she was known as the Dragon Lady. Well, and, and also, um, the first husband, I don't know that he's alive. Um, Mm-mm. There's a couple of administrative people there that went dead. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, a couple children. Yeah. You know, but yeah, she's got a book of death. Yeah. And we only saw a couple of pages. Just a couple, yeah. There's a lot of pages yeah. in that scrapbook. Yeah, so th- this is definitely her mentality of, um, like, um, th- I mean, sure, there's a couple layers, but it was definitely a bipolar disorder going from one extreme to the other. Yeah. Um, and it would it would flip to her attaching herself to somebody and then to, uh, to, to basically like, like, I mean, we always joke about it, but basically like when you see like a cute animal and you're just like, I just want to squeeze it. She literally does yeah. that. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to love you to death. Here's the funny blurb mm. that I read in my research is that they actually, they reached out to a psychologist. Uh, sorry, they, uh, uh, I believe it was Collider reached out to a psychologist and said, "Hey, could could you do us a favor and just let us know what kind of um, you know what kind of mental affliction Annie Wilkes has?" And he came back with all of them. Oh yeah, he's like everything <laughs> just, is wrong with like her. Like all of them. She displays <laughs> signs of, of just about everyone. So it's like okay, it's like the perfect storm in Ali uh, in Ali Wilkes, Annie Wilkes, Ali. Who's Ali? Ali <laughs> was her sister, and you know what? Ironically. What a nice person. <laughs> Sweetheart. Um, drives a bookmobile in Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good on you, Allie. But you you mentioned... Um, actually, no, I forgot what I was going to say. You, you go ahead. Well, no, I just wanted to mention that deleted scene, but okay. Can oh, we, yeah. Can um, we, you want to do it? I forgot what I was going to say. It like literally left my, my brain. Well, I wanted to get to the oh. feet. Okay. I can oh, hold before, on to that. Oh, yeah. Actually, because that that's on my next thing. All right. Really, let me hear it. Okay. Really? Okay. I just remembered. So, when you, you mentioned before about um, Kathy Bates uh, preparing rehearsal, blah, blah, blah. So, I think another, one reason, too, that she was able to pull off this character so well is because her and Rob Reiner, obviously, they don't really go into it at all via dialogue. Um, or even visuals, from what I understand, but they created a whole background that makes a lot of sense of uh, you know the fact of that and why she's a trauma. So they came up with the fact that she was an abused child, like sexually abused by okay. her father type of child. Okay. So and she suppr- and she suppressed this so deep down. And that's why when it pops up, Everything like it manifests. just yeah, it's almost kind of like a bubbling um, uh, a bubbling pot of water, and that. <laughs> Yeah, she went in the back wearing the Vincent Price shirt. <laughs> How interesting is it that then that she would go and do Dolores Claiborne, mm-hmm. which has that incest Yo, angle you know. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Another Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. A good Stephen King, and I feel like doesn't get enough love. Right. Dolores Claiborne just kind of came and went. Yep. Huh. We're going to bring that back. Yeah, Somehow. we are. Yeah. 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 <laughs> When we get to our eclipse month, we're going to bring that one back. High five. I 
that makes so much sense that they did the hard yards and they did the backstory and boy oh boy you know what because her performance is so lived in and it's so natural yeah man she's so good yeah she's so yeah so yeah good. so her and reiner came up with that and, and i just thought that was interesting because what an actor yeah you can totally see that uh in her acting as well so okay yeah okay now Let's talk about it. I literally just wrote hobbling scene with uh, exclamation points. <laughs> okay. So, we, let's start with let's start with the fact that William Goldman wrote the amputation scene as oh sorry like I said sorry, we spoil the hell out of everything. Um, so in the book, Paul has his foot cut off. Right. In and Goldman was like, no, Rob, we got to keep it. We got to keep it. I wrote it. I wrote it so well. It's just the audience is going to freak the fuck out. My words, not William Goldman's, <laughs> but, you know, he's from New York. It's probably yeah, something similar. That's, that's probably similar. And Rob's pushing back. We're going to lose the audience. We're going to lose the audience. And he's like, how? How are we going to lose the audience? And he goes, because we still have them, just like the lawnmower scene that got deleted, we still have the audience somewhat sympathetic toward Annie because of what what has not what she has not done she's done terrible terrible things to Mm -hmm. Paul but it's what she has not done is keeping that one thread that one sliver that we can hold on to she cuts his damn foot off they're gone and so he William Goldwyn being consummate professional writes the scene that we see and he does come out later and say Rob was absolutely right he goes on the finish. I hadn't. I, f- I feel like it's worse. I'm like, no, I'd rather get my foot cut off. I think you might be right. I'd rather get a cut off than, than what right. actually fucking happens. I mean, but that scene in the book, because it's. Sinner's just, you know, he gets his foot cut off with an axe and then she cauterizes it with hot iron. And it's. Um, the best thing she could have done. Or she could have yeah, or he would have. Bl- yeah. But I mean, <laughs> it, it it's just. It, it would have taken. Yeah, I don't know. In my mind, I can't. I'm picturing it, and I'm like, I don't know. The hobbling scene is... Okay. (laughs) So, Goldman does the right thing and admits it later on down the road. He's absolutely right. You know what? I was seeing seeing the script up to that point and no further, and then when I saw the finished product, Rob's vision was was the right one. Mm. Okay, so how how do they make this work? So, they construct... Two, um, uh, 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 like shin casts with gelatin feet. Okay. Now, what what James Conn is able to do is he's able to put his legs in, so like the cast start, like his legs go um, down through the bed, and then the fake legs start from the knees down. Gotcha. Okay. And then they put that makes the, sense. They, yeah. They have wires um, uh, connected to feet made out of gelatin. Hard gelatin, you know, not, not like you know, right, they're not jello, so it's just too <laughs> they, they they weren't lime flavored. But they're I'm just picturing two jiggly feet now. <laughs> they need to come up with a way that the foot. Can someone make that YouTube parody oh for me, God. please? Could you imagine? It's just... like two lime gelatins, but please put Dwight's stapler in them from the yeah. office. Yeah, with swing line, the red swing line stapler. <laughs> Amazing. So it had to be. They they put these wires in so that when the when the sledgehammer hit the feet, it would bend. In their words, not mine. At the most horrific angle you could possibly imagine, uh-huh, and it does. It's to it the does. point where I can't even I can't even watch it. It's but I uh, know it's a fake foot. I can't even look at it. Kisses 
to the practical <laughs> effects in this movie where there not there aren't many. The makeup is very good because you have Paul in his various uh, you know injuries. Um, but there's there's not a whole hell of a lot of practical. But this is just oh boy, this is really really good, really good, Shannon. And, and this is the song of the magic the of movie, movie making. making. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you know what though I I, I I I this is like jazz. I'm going off on my own riff. Practical, gotta love it. Practical, gotta love it. <laughs> I think I feel like we need a tambourine. <laughs> I'm gonna you get the tambourine. I'll get the triangle. <laughs> just that like how that ankle bends and then james Kahn selling it through his screams but then kathy bates with the almost this euphoric it's almost like sexual where she's like god i love you after she after she bashes both, 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 of feet. both of them and the, and the second one i think i still close my eyes for the second one i think uh, i think the audience did collectively yeah, because that one is off camera, purposefully. Yeah. They only showed one. Yeah. yeah and that was purposeful. Oh, shout out to the sound design yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, as far as the shoot goes, that's all the notes that I had for the shoot. Do you have anything that you'd, you'd like to talk about? The, I, I, yeah, well, actually, you meant, like, the, the whole, like, lovemaking thing. I wanted to segue into the fight scene. Oh yeah, let's do it. Yeah, because the fight scene. So the fight scene was. Uh, I mean, obviously, due to his injuries, uh, Paul Sheldon speaking. Um, I'm sure it had to be done in this fashion anyway. It made sense to only do it in this fashion. But uh, Rob Reiner wanted it. And he has it. It had to be up close and personal, um, <gasps> as if it was like because now, it, however twisted you want to take this route, we're at a point they have established a relationship. Granted, it's um uh, unwanted unwarranted you know on one angle but it it, it was it, it it now it's per, it's so personal it, yeah. it's so personal on so many different levels because um again spoiler alerts but we'll be already spoiled a couple of things anyway she so the, the 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 book that um paul sheldon writes she made him burn it yep okay so now she took that away from him she made him dip right back into misery a place where he did not want to go okay and now it's, uh, she also spilled the goddamn wine. Did I mention that? And she got him back on drugs. <laughs> it's not mentioned in the movie, but it's very prevalent in the books, as we said. Yeah. He's, a for- he's in recovery. Yeah. So now he's back on drugs. Yeah. I mean, she's really doing a number on our Paul Paul. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, and now she makes, now, she, now, you know, so now she makes him write another book. Can I mention something? I just yeah. want to play off something that you mentioned. So you said, like, okay, the relationship. I, 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 I failed to mention the cinematography by... Uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. When I initially saw this movie, I didn't get it, what I'm alluding to. But when I saw it on, when I was a little bit older and saw it on later rewatches, Sonnenfeld and Reiner, they, it's very much close up of Khan, close up of Bates. You know, at best we get a medium shot of Khan, medium shot of Bates, not a lot of over the shoulder of Bates where we get to see the room. In, like, it's very tight. Yeah. It's very tight and claustrophobic. Yes. I didn't get that the first time I watched it. And, it, I, and like, subconsciously it bothered me. I'm like, why does it look like this? Everything's tight, 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 tight. Because I was a dumb kid. Now I'm just a dumb adult. But I know a little <laughs> bit more because I've watched 8 billion movies. Like, they're very purposefully making everything tight because you are trapped along with Paul. Yeah. You know, so you get a lot of that just, you know, face, 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 face. And it, 
it, it is, worked. It works so incredibly well. And it also keeps you uncomfortable. Yeah. Because of you're really forced in Annie's face. And especially at moments where you want to recoil from her. Yeah. And Reiner and Sonnenfeld make you get right up in her grill. Yeah. You know, and I love a movie when it dawns on me, when it gets through this thick coconut <laughs> where I'm like, that's what they're doing. And then it's like, jazz hands! <laughs> <laughs> And I just absolutely love it. And, you know, hey, look, to the filmmakers, you've got you're a flawed audience person here to work with. So <laughs> good on you, you know. But I just, I really love Sonnenfeld's cinematography now because I get it. Yeah. You know, what they're what they're working at doing. It's very purposeful. Oh, boy. Like, every angle. It's, yeah, and you could you could tell. And even, even, <clears throat> no, I want to get to the fight, though. Mm -hmm. Even during the fight. You know, we're not at wide angles. We're at close-ups. Close. It's very intimate. Very close. Which plays off of what you're talking about. This is this is the the breakup of the couple. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, he was like one, yeah, just one last go. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but obviously um, it wasn't like um, Paul Sheldon could just get up. You know, he literally had to like flip his whole upper body. Propel himself. Out, yeah, yeah, out of the wheelchair after he... Um, you know, and he did it the best he could. He literally did workouts with the typewriter yep. to strengthen up his upper body by this point, and um, and you know, to get to the point where he could pick it up and smash it over her head when he uh, tricked her basically into a position, um, which was very interesting. And and the whole the whole line when he about when he so he types she makes him type a whole book to bring misery back, and um. Uh, you know, he gets in position, uh, you know, to, cause he's like, Oh, go get the champagne. I'm about to finish it. And he's like, Oh yeah, it's all right here. And then he burns it in front of her and he's like, oh, I learned it by watching you. We're like, yes! speaking of jazz hands. <laughs> I was jazz hands yesterday. Jazz hands <laughs> moments. I mean, we, we, those movies where, where you feel the, the, the vindication that the protagonist feels and you're like yeah yeah how about okay so so i saw this i saw this opening weekend when it came out in 1990 plan no movie theater mention it ad nauseum on this podcast but i happen to see it there i i told you the thing where i like i have a weird thing where i almost remember every single movie theater i've seen every single movie in my life yeah in. you're weird it's weird <laughs> it's hey. like i said i keep i can't remember what i had for breakfast i already forgot Here's here's a fun fact, sinners. That ability can make you zero dollars. <laughs> Literally zero dollars. It's the most useless skill, other than to amuse myself. But anyway, so seeing it opening weekend, packed house. I mean, the word got out on misery from the kids who saw it Friday. Yeah, you got to see it Saturday. And Stephen King is well, is very well known by this. Point. Oh, we're just and I mean, you're talking about Rob Reiner for a geek like me. I'm like, oh, I love Rob Reiner, Harry Met Sally, and um, uh, Princess you know, Bride uh, Princess Bride, and, and Stand yes, by Me. Yeah, yeah. So the part, and I have to quote it: the part where Paul it, during the fight where he, he's shoving the ashes of his misery novel down her throat, and he goes, "Eat it till you choke, you sick, twisted." Fuck. <laughs> you have never heard a theater go more bananas <laughs> during this scene. Because, I mean, we've all collectively been tortured by Annie Wilkes for the almost two hours. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of those cathartic moments where the entire audience 
just lost their shit. And I love those. I mean, we still get them. Look, it has not stopped. We still get them to this day, depending on what movie you're seeing. You know, something like this happens and you're just like, oh, this is so great. <laughs> and I just, uh, yeah, I just got such a kick out of, out of going down memory lane and remembering that. Oh, I love those movies. <laughs> what's what's the, the last movie that you think you've cheered at? The last movie that I cheered at, it might have been. Um, if if there's one after that, it's escaping me for the moment. But the last one that, that it, the one that immediately popped into my brain uh, was Cabin in the Woods when you <laughs> when uh it, it, when you're already in the underground and you just hear all the elevators. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> and just, and just oh carnage God. ensues. I was just like, <laughs> Shannon, how how we have not put Cabin in the Woods on our twenty four schedule? We're gonna have to amend we're gonna, that. Yeah, we'll fit it in. Yeah, we gotta fit it. We're in gonna somewhere. have to go back into it because I have I have a lot of fun facts about that one. And there's no friggin' way we're waiting a year plus until we do that. What up? When's our creature feature? Oh shoot! Oh, there well, you go. We had a it's the summer. Feature. Yeah, I think it's July. Yeah, it's going in there. Because <laughs> that's all the creatures. <laughs> It's 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 all 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 of them. Oh, I love that movie so much. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I have to. I'm with you on that. We're done with the shoot. Post production is pretty much just a love story all over the place. Movie comes out, triples its budget domestically. I don't even know what it made total with international. Um, another Rob Reiner hit. Uh, James Con, you know, really gets you know gets back on a solid platform and starts you know goes on to have a really great career. Not that he didn't, but, you know, he just starts to get offered more roles, which I'm ecstatically happy for him. Kathy Bates wins the Oscar. I mean, this is really like the beginning of her film career. Right. So it's so exciting for her. And I mean, her body of work is just incredible. So it's it really is just kisses all over the damn place as far as this movie goes. Um, Stephen King says this is absolutely one of the best adaptations of his works because he's thank, a realist. And thank goodness because, yeah. you know, this was a very personal, um, I know we mentioned it already, but this was so personal to him because um, Annie Wilkes, uh, I guess we'll get into it now, Annie Wilkes yeah. was definitely a metaphor for his drug for addiction. his drug and alcohol addiction at and the time. He felt like he was a prisoner. <clears throat> and I mean, it was very much, a very much a prisoner of his addictions. And um, yeah, I mean... Just the ability to to take that kind of trauma and that experience and put it into such an incredibly great novel, I mean, it's beyond what I can wrap my head around. But yeah. thank goodness there are people out there that have this ability. We're, you know, thanks. Turn yeah, well, that's <laughs> I mean, yeah, like turn your trauma into like therapy and and yeah. turn it into art and you know just, share share it with the world on a on a different type of scale. I just drone on and bother people on bar stools. <laughs> <laughs> I went in a completely different direction. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it for misery. We're coming in. Yeah. About an hour and 15. So let's wrap it on up. Sure. Um, we will, uh, we're next week. We're doing the black coats daughter. Yes. Um, I just want, uh, uh, the reason I'm mentioning it, because sometimes we don't, sometimes we like to surprise you what yeah. we're doing. Well, sometimes we also change like last minute. So we go back and forth on whether we should announce. So just know if we announce, it may not be true. Yeah. We may lie. <laughs> we, we may, may be, be liars. But the <laughs> but reason I really do want to do the black coat's daughter. Me too. The reason I wanted to bring it up is because it, it is, it's a, it's unwatched. A lot of people don't know about this movie mm -hmm. and it is, it's one of the scariest movies. It's, it's 
it's to me it was fucking terrifying. It is. It is. It is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. So so sinners. The re- that's why we're we're bringing it up because if you haven't seen the Black Coat's Daughter, I I just wanted to put it on your radar because um, the this has been and will continue to show up on the best horror movies of the 2000s and the best horror movies in the past 10 years. It is on every single one of those lists. And yeah. I trust me, sinners, we called, you know, we 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 go over these lists endlessly so that we can bring, you know, really good movies to your attention and this is just one of them. So if you haven't seen it, oh yeah. boy. Just be forewarned. It, I think it's just, it's a cold story that it begins cold. It has a cold middle and it just ends cold. And I don't mean like it's, I guess figuratively and literally. I but. mean, Shannon, would it be would it be accurate to say that this movie it's horrifying? Yeah. I mean, we don't use that word lightly. You know, we probably between Shannon and I, we probably have a dozen movies that we would definitively say this is horrifying and it will affect you. This is one of those it's movies. It's one of those, yeah. Um. So you know, uh, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> So grab your popcorn and <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god! All right, so I watched I watched this movie this week, and I immediately then watched uh, the Nicolas Cage, Bridget Fonda, uh, split a lottery ticket movie because it just happened to be on Amazon, and I was like, I need to watch something nice. <laughs> I need to feel good about life I again. Gotta, <laughs> I gotta watch something where people are happy. Um. <laughs> But that's not to take anything away from the Black Coat's daughter. You ha- you must watch this film. It is, it's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to put it out there. I uh, mean, yeah, for, I agree. For a movie that so, so few people have seen, the um the the chronology of it and the the characterization and what the what the it ultimately means and the heartbreak and just the way it's shot, boy oh boy, you're in for a treat. Uh, yeah, you're for you're we'll, for, I know we'll get into something. We'll yeah, get, we'll get it. We're about to start like a second episode. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, I'm blathering, and we're gonna talk about this next week. Okay, it's so okay. sinners, I can't do anything till Shannon gets out of here. And that's a cut. Watch well, the Black Ops order. <laughs> Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.